0: This is our second week of our 21 days of prayer and fasting as a community. And so I have gone two weeks now without coffee and have survived. So that's a miracle. Yeah, thanks for the clap. Yeah, I'm still standing. Hallelujah. And um, I'm very much looking forward to um, Monday uh, in a week's time because I'm going to go with my daughter, um, Lovie, because she, she decided to go without fizzy drink for the whole 21 days, which is really awesome of her, and so I'm going to get her a Coke and I'm going to have a big coffee and we're going to, we're going to really celebrate on that Monday. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> caffeine, yeah, exactly. Um, but basically this 21 days has been a time of setting things aside. Um, we're sort of in a season of Lent and focusing on Jesus We've had two really awesome prayer meetings so far, which are on the Wednesday at our house. And it's a wonderful thing to to connect with God, isn't it, individually? But it's something so much more special when we connect together and gather together for prayer and worship. And there were just some amazing um, words that came out. At our last Wednesday's prayer meeting, we had a real heart um, for intercession for Palmerston North, for this region, for the Manawatu. And we just prayed into a whole lot of areas and there were some incredible words of, I, I felt like just incredible words of renewal, of hope that, that God is not done with us. He's not done with Palmerston North, he's not done with the two. he's not done with Aotearoa. He's got a, a plan and a purpose for this place and a plan and a purpose for all of us in his kingdom and he wants to move in the power of his spirit in this place. And so we were, we were just really excited. I, I found that so encouraging. And so this... Friday, we're going to have a, a worship night um, up in the upper room here, and we're the um, worship team um, doing the acoustic set, and we're just going to really press in with worship and, um, and, and prayer. It's going to be a, a wonderful night, so I encourage you to come to that. There's not going to be uh, a meeting at our house on Wednesday because we're going to have that Friday worship night here in the upper room. If you've ever not been there, you just come through the front doors here, and there's a staircase there, and you just walk up. This little room up the top there, we're going to be in there, so you're welcome to come to that, and then for the f- next Sunday, I'm not going to preach a message, because it's the end of our 21 days, and so we're going to, we're just going to have a bit more time for worship and, and as a church, and so we're just going to really celebrate this this time that we've set aside, and really press in with God Was that, so I'll just keep that those two things in mind. Um, as, as part of that, as part of that... Um, Twenty-one days. Um, one thing I've noticed is I've given up coffee because I drink about six to eight cups a day of coffee. It's probably an excessive amount. I'm sure some doctor would tell me that's really bad for my kidneys or liver or something else. Like um, but it's the only drink I fluid I tend to have. Um, other than coke or something else I don't really drink water and I'm not one of these like drink bottle people I've tried to do that, like you get a drink bottle and you fill it up but I've got this habit of losing things everywhere so I get these fancy drink bottles that Amy gets for me and then I, I put them down somewhere and I'm like oh I've lost that really good drink bottle she's going to be so furious uh, and so I just tend to just drink from like a cup or something and i one thing I've noticed about giving up coffee and caffeine is, is I've noticed my thirst again, like I, I noticed that I'm getting thirsty again, and I have to go up to the, the tap, you know, have a cup, and I've been doing that more throughout the day, and I've been sort of noticing my thirst, and it reminded me of like as a child, because obviously as a child, I wasn't drinking six to eight cups of coffee, um, I was drinking water um, as my main sort of source of fluid, and I remember at school, you would have um, cross country or something, and you go running. A, usually they seem to pick the hottest day of the year for this and you'd come sort of stumbling into the, into the school and you, you, you were just so thirsty you were so thirsty like your mouth like your tongue was almost stuck to the top of your mouth and that real dry kind of sense in your mouth and back then there weren't really a lot of drink bottles the, the, the advent of the plastic drink bottle when I was at primary school I think came in when I was maybe at the end of high school so people ever had those kind of Maybe a plastic drink bottle, or you were you're resigned to use this thing. Remember these from school, and sometimes down at the park. And now there are two techniques for drinking from this water fountain. There is the polite technique, where someone presses the button and then kind of catches the water in their mouth. Hopefully, most of it. Sometimes it all spills down your sort of front or whatever but it's the, it's the polite, hygienic way to do it. The second way is when someone just decides to eat it and they just put their lips right over the, the faucet bit, and they just go... <laughs> Unfortunately, I was at a boys' school and so when we ran into, um, after cross-country, there was this massive long line of boys waiting for a drink from the water fountain and many of the boys were doing that. Their... And normally, you know, normally you'd, you'd see something like that and think, ugh, I'm not going to have that, I, I can do without a drink, I'll, I'll get one later, but when you're thirsty, you're just like, oh no, I'm going to have to override this, I'm going to have to do it, and so I would, I would just, I'd be in front of that person who's in front of me, and then they're doing that, and I'd be like, oh, here I go, I'm going to have to do this, and i will be getting my water, and trying not to think about all the germs that were were going into my mouth at that time, but because I was so thirsty, it just overrode those germaphobe type sort of feelings that I had inside me. I said all that to say is that thirst is is a very natural human thing, Um, with hunger, um, with sleep and tiredness, and these are things, these are the natural biological things that we have to do as humans. Um, I don't, I've seen, seen different estimates about this, but I think one of them says that we're made up of about our human bodies, our physical bodies are made up of about 60% water. I think some things talk about like 70%. Uh, it says our, our brain and our heart are composed of about 73% water. Our lungs are about 83% water. The skin contains 64% water. The muscles and the kidneys are 79%. And even our bones are watery, 31%. Um, you could go potentially, depending on your health, you could potentially go maybe 30, 40 days plus without food, um, but you can only go um, a handful of days without water. Um, it's something that we need um, regularly, um, but obviously I get my water generally from coffee, but yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. And before I get into my message today, I, I wanted to ask um, are you thirsty? And, and not, in a, not in a physical sense. Maybe you are. Um, we've got drinks at the back there. <laughs> if you want to, you can get up and grab a drink uh, or after the service. But are you thirsty spiritually? Do you feel dry? Are you longing for that, that thirst-quenching water that comes from Jesus? Is that, is that in your soul? Is that in your spirit? Are you thirsty? The psalmist said... Um, As the deer pants for the flowing streams, so pants my soul for you. Oh God, oh oh my God, do you long for the presence of God in your life? I really want you to keep that question about being thirsty at the forefront of your mind as we turn to these words of Jesus from the cross in John 19, verse 28 to 29, if you want to turn there in your Bibles. John 19, verses 28 to 29. After this, Jesus, knowing that all all was now finished, said to fulfill Scripture, I thirst. A jar full of sour wine stood there, so they put a sponge full of the sour wine on the hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. Um, if you haven't been for the previous weeks here at Kurimako, we've been going through some of the sayings and words of Jesus from the cross. And this is one of the, one of the last um, sayings of Jesus, and it's actually also one of the shortest. It's only two words, I thirst. Some of the context here is that Jesus is actually right at the end. He has spent six hours on the cross, they believe, between... 9am to about 3pm in the afternoon was the time that he died, and he has been going through this horrific ordeal, as we've spoken about, he's lost a a significant amount of blood and and body fluids through sweat, he's been hanging on that cross, and he's been hanging on a cross in a very hot environment, he's in the Middle East, Uh, he is absolutely completely drained and dehydrated at this moment. And he is offered this um, sour wine. It's kind of like a vinegar sort of wine. Um, Scholars are unsure whether the the wine that's offered to him is to kind of mock him or to help him. Um, But whatever it is, he actually takes this wine into his mouth. It's really interesting that he says um, these words, I I thirst, because um, I was doing a little bit of research about this, and I even spoke to my mum, who used to be a hospice nurse, when people are about to die, um, it's quite common that they will say that they are thirsty. They'll say, I thirst, and they they what what my mum says is they they it's not that they want to have a big long drink of water, but their mouth is so dry and so so parched that they just want a bit of fluid, a bit of moisture on, on their on their on their on their mouth, on their tongue just to take away the discomfort of that incredible level of, of thirst. And so in this moment, Jesus is is, 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 is so dehydrated, so physically um, spent that he just wants a little bit of, of that moisture on his, on his tongue, on, in his mouth. Despite being only two words, there is incredible weight in these words, isn't there? Firstly, I think what these two words show us is the humanity of Jesus, that he was a man as well as being God. And secondly, it speaks to something much bigger than just physical thirst. I just want to turn to that first part about him being, about the humanity. There was this um, interesting study conducted in 2005 by a sociologist, Christian Smith, and his team, and they interviewed 3,000 teenagers about religion and faith. And they asked him a series of questions to find out what they believed, what were their belief systems, and what they found was that overall these teenagers um, held to kind of common core beliefs. These weren't um, specifically all Christians, they were just 3,000 teenagers, they random sort of, you know, interviewed. And the core beliefs that these um, teenagers all held about God, they deemed um, this term moralistic therapeutic deism bit of a mouthful, Um, but this is what these key findings they had from from these teenagers were about belief. One, a God exists who created and ordered the world and watches over human life on earth. Two, God wants people to be good, nice and fair to each other, as taught in the Bible and by most other religions. The central goal of life is to be happy and feel good about oneself. Four, God does not need to be particularly involved in one's life except when God is needed to resolve a problem. And five, good people go to heaven when they die. And the scary thing is, when I read that, it was like, oh, I know in my own life that I've actually had some of those beliefs at times, um, growing up in a Christian home, um, having, a, I guess, an understanding or belief in God, um, but not a personal relationship with Him. So God becomes this distant figure out there like a force or the universe um, who is maybe benevolent and kind of cares about things but is so is distant from us you know it's just overseeing things but not really involved in our lives and you know that's not the God we serve this is the awesome message of Christmas and Easter is that is that Jesus came as a man he lived amongst us he died a death here amongst us as a a human, as well as being God. Philippians 2, 5 to 8 puts it this way, from the Message Version. Think of yourselves the way Christ Jesus thought of himself. He had equal status with God, but didn't think so much of himself. They had to cling to the advantages of that status no matter what. Not at all. When the time came, he set aside the privileges of deity, of being God and took on the status of a slave, became human. Having become human, he stayed human. It was an incredibly humbling process. He didn't claim special privileges. Instead, he lived a selfless, obedient life, and then died a selfless, obedient death, and the worst kind of death at that, a crucifixion. Isn't that incredible? No other religion or faith in the world can claim that, that their God was willing to become human and live amongst us, do relationship with us, and then go and die a horrific death like that for us. What an incredible God we serve. How personal and how involved does he want to be in our lives if he's willing to do that? It also speaks to It also speaks to how he understands our human condition, what it's like to be human. And Hebrews 4, 14 to 16 says, Since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who in every respect has been tempted as we are, yet is without sin. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace and, our help, and help in our time of need. Whatever you are, have gone through in life, we serve a God who has experienced what it is to be human and at the most extreme of being human. He knows what it's like to, to struggle, He knows what it's like to be criticized, He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be unfairly treated, especially by the authorities. He knows what it's like to be ridiculed and abused by the very people he had come to save. You know, see, Jesus is, is nothing like Superman. You know how, like, Superman is, um, you know, pretends to be Clark Kent, and he has that really awesome disguise, which is a set of glasses? <laughs> And no one knows at the Daily Mail or anywhere in those movies or TV shows. He just puts those glasses on. They're like, oh, oh it's just Clark oh, <laughs> working away at his desk. It's not Superman at all. Um, but he's just pretending to be Clark Kent. That's a name he picked up from his family who adopted him here. He's, he's always this alien that's come from this other planet. He even has a, a, a real name, which is Cal L. I had to Google that. Um, like, he is always actually Superman, and he's just pretending to be Clark Kent, um, so that people, you know, don't know who he is when he's doing his everyday life, because he wants to have a bit of an everyday life. But Jesus is fully God and fully man. It is an incredible concept that the early church struggled with, and people seem to think that maybe he wasn't fully human, so when he was on the cross, he didn't really feel that pain. He was, you know, in his God- he was just God on the cross, and it made it look like he was feeling that pain, but no, the early church fathers, you know, they they brought this together and said, no, no, he's fully God, he's fully man, he fully went through that experience, just like you and I would go through that experience if we had to go to the cross, he fully went through that, he's fully God and fully man, I don't know how that works, it is an absolute mystery, and it'd be great to find out one day when when we get into into heaven, and we can talk to Jesus, and and he can explain all that to us, but He is fully God and fully man. It's an incredible revelation to us. But more than just his humanity in this moment, as he cries, I thirst, there is something greater going on here than just physical thirst. In Psalm 22:14, it says, the psalmist says, I poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart has turned to wax. It has melted within me. My mouth is dried up like a potsherd. A potsherd is a, a piece of ceramic. So sort of imagine a piece of ceramic or something in your mouth. That's how dry um, the this, this this psalmist is talking about. And my tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. You lay me in the dust of, the, of, of death. What Jesus is also doing on the cross here in this moment, as well as his intense physical thirst and the fact that his body is about ready to to go, is that he's actually fulfilling the mission of God. Um, Throughout, when he's on the the cross, Jesus quotes scripture, and and even in the psalm, before there's a part where it says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me, which we haven't looked at in this series, but that's one of the words that Jesus says from the cross, and in this bit where Jesus is saying, oh, I thirst, he's actually fulfilling the mission of God. He's fulfilling prophecy that, that, that the, cross, uh, the cross is no accident. It's no mistake. It's no, no, no it, it wasn't like, oh, whoops, Jesus got this wrong. No, it, it is actually the mission of God. And it, it is the self-offering of Jesus in this moment. When Jesus says, I thirst, it's to show that he is filling, fulfilling his purpose according to the mission of God. But that begs the question, what does Jesus thirst for beyond His physical thirst? Like, what, what is beyond just the physical thirst that Jesus has in this moment? In John 4, we read about this encounter of Jesus with a Samaritan woman at a well. Again, in this, in this circumstance, Jesus is thirsty. It's the middle of the day, they think. It, it, it's hot. And he asks this woman to give him a drink of water from the well. And Jesus uses the, his thirst and his um, need for a drink of water as a pretext to start a conversation with this woman. And so he, he begins a bit of to and fro saying things, and she says things back. And Jesus takes it beyond the physical, just I'm thirsty for physical water. He takes it to a deeper level, and he he talks about something um, beyond just a physical thirst. And he says to this woman at the well, he says, "'Everyone who drinks this water, physical water, will be thirsty again.'" but whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, I, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jesus is talking about living water here. This is the living water that will give us life, eternal life that will quench all of our deepest longings and desires all of our loneliness and brokenness will be quenched by this living water from Jesus. Indeed, Jesus says it will become in us a well, like a spring of water inside of us bubbling up. I've only seen a spring um, once in my life, um, just one near uh, Rotorua, and um, I just still remember how incredibly beautiful the water is. It's so clear. Like, has anyone else seen a spring? It it is is the clearest water you've ever seen in your life, and you just I remember it was a hot day, and I wanted to like jump in, but you can't because it would contaminate the spring. But uh, <laughs> I remember like looking at this water, and just like you could see really deep into the water. Like usually when you look at a river or a, a lake or something like, yeah, sometimes you can see a little bit in, but this water was so clear, and you could just see right down like to the bottom sort of thing. It was so beautiful and so crisp and clear and that is, the, that is what Jesus is talking about that's going to live inside of us spiritually is this well, is this spring of life. It's beautiful and clear and it's bubbling up. And that's what Jesus wants in our life. In John um, 7, 37 to verse 38, Jesus continues this theme. On the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, Let everyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. Isn't that cool? Like not only does God want to give you this this life, this, you know, you're thirsty, you're dry. you're you're struggling, God just wants to, like you're in a desert, God just wants to give you this beautiful, fresh, clear water that's going to become a a well, it's going to become a a river inside of you, not only for you, but it's going to flow out of you. And I was just thinking about that, um, you know, when we go out into our week, when you're sitting at the office tomorrow, or the staff meeting with your bickies and your, your coffee or your water, And you're sitting there and you're having conversations. Like if we are if we're a temple of the Holy Spirit, if we've got Jesus inside of us, you know, out of us should flow living water into those conversations. It doesn't mean you have to start saying to everyone at the office tomorrow, living water, living water, or something, or something crazy or wacko, but the way you speak, the way you listen to people the way you encourage, the way you you say things to people, even the way you talk about your weekend, like slip in there maybe, not the first thing, maybe not the last thing, but just slip in there in the middle. I went to church and it was really great or something like that. It's, it's, it's about being that river of life and, 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 and the places that God has put us because God has put every single person here in places of influence, places of his kingdom where we can um, reach out to people as we're in those conversations, as we're dealing with those difficult, boring meetings, rivers of life, rivers of life as we're going through those hundreds of emails, delete, 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 you know, junk mail, junk mail, um, you know, rivers of life coming out of those situations, what a wonderful thing, and I've, I've had to do this in my own life, I am, um, full confession here, I'm, I'm naturally actually kind of a, um, a pessimistic sort of person, sort of a half, uh, glass half full I I find I tend to be a little bit cynical and a little bit pes- pessimistic about life, and, and sort of you know sometimes see the downside. Sometimes thank God I, I married Amy who's an optimist, so <laughs> she she keeps me balanced. Um, but I've actually th- thought about this in my own life um, about this living water being inside me from what Jesus has given me, and you know where you know where I fall down big time, it's news. I just, I've got this addiction to news, like I, I like reading all sorts of news, like Stuff, New Zealand Herald, News Hub, I even read the Australian ones, like the Sydney Morning Herald, um, the English ones, like the Guardian, the BBC, um, even started like reading some of the American ones, like, but then some of those annoying ones have subscriptions and you have to pay, and I'm like, I'm too cheap for that, so I have to go like, keep searching for, for other news sites, like I'm not paying $2.50, I don't care how good your news site is, and so I keep searching for these news sites. And nothing wrong with news, just as a just as a you know thing at the start here, there's nothing wrong with reading news, I'm not saying that. But what I found was it become like an addiction for me. And I like wanted to keep following all these current events, you know, nationally and around the world, particularly with COVID and all these things going on, and I'd read conflicting opinions and different parts and, and I'd be trying to work it all out. And what I found was because the news is about sort of about 98 to 99% negative, except for the sports news, hallelujah. Um, that it, it it was affecting me. Like, it was actually affecting my thinking and 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 my way of um, seeing the world and my outlook on the world. And so I was, because I've got that inclination towards pessimism, I found myself feeling pessimistic about the world, pessimistic about New Zealand, pessimistic about life. And, and it has that effect on me. And so what I've had to do is I've had to pull myself back from it. And, you know, I go... First thing in the morning, I don't want to pick up my phone, I want to pick up the the Word of God. You know, when I'm in the car, instead of having the radio on all the time, maybe I've been doing this sometimes, I just drop the kids off, I switch off the radio, and I just start praying, or praying in tongues. Like, just thought, what am I feeding myself with here? I want to be fed with rivers of living water, not sort of dirty kind of um, water that's just going to make me all upset and negative about the world. I want to have fresh living water from God. And, yeah, I'm not saying don't be um, aware of what's going on in the world. Yeah, totally. We, we live in this world. We need to know what's going on. Um, but when it gets to that level like I have where it's like an addiction where you're just like, ugh, ugh, and it's this negativity just keeps coming in all the time, I had to do something about it. I had to have, like, a spiritual audit and to be like, I'm going to do something about this. I want rivers of living water to come out of me as a person. As I um, just come in to finish here, in these, in, this, in these final moments when Jesus is on the cross and he cries out, I thirst, Jesus is not only dying of a terrible physical thirst, he thirsts for us. He thirsts for his lost sheep. He longs for us to come home, no matter what we've done or not done. No matter who we are or where we have been, no matter how far we are beyond his love and grace, he thirsts that we would come running to him and receive his living water. With, that, the, with the woman at the well, um, Jesus wanted a drink of water. He definitely did, actually. He was actually thirsty. Um, he was literally thirsty in that moment. But what he really wanted to do, that was just a subtext so that he could have a deeper conversation with this woman. He wanted to heal and restore that woman. That broken woman who, 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 who wanted a request for a drink, he was, it was a convenient segue into a conversation about what really matters in life. What will really give you life is this, is this water that Jesus has. I'm just going to um, ask the team to come up. If you guys wouldn't mind standing... So as we finish today, I want to repeat that declaration that Jesus cried out in the temple. Let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Let anyone who is thirsty, it's everybody, anyone who is thirsty, come to me and drink. What a wonderful invitation. Jesus, we... Thank you for the cross. We thank you, Lord, that you know what it's like to be human. You know what it's like to suffer. You know what it's like to go through life. Thank you, Lord, that you went to the cross, you emptied yourself out so that we could be filled up again. Thank you for your incredible sacrifice. And Lord, we know that you long and desire and thirst for us to, ha- to encounter you, to experience your presence, to be made whole, to have our sins forgiven, to have new life, to be refreshed. We're going um, to worship And I just invite you, um, if you feel dry, if you feel like, man, I need a touch of the Holy Spirit, I need to feel Jesus' love today, why don't you respond to God if he's saying that to you today? And why don't you come forward? Take that step of faith, just like we come forward to take communion, to take the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Why don't you come forward during worship, and I and others would love to pray for you that you would be filled with rivers of life, that you would have, a, you would have an experience of, of knowing that your sins are forgiven, have an experience of knowing that you are loved by the Father, that Jesus wants you, that Jesus desires you, that Jesus is not an impersonal God. He is so personal that he went through all of that for us, that he longs and desires to encounter you today.